Hi guys, it's Jill, and welcome back to Equine in Theory, the podcast. This week's episode, we are kicking it back and taking it easy, and I'm going to answer some of you guys' questions. I asked you all on Instagram what you wanted to know, and I'm going to do like little brief answers instead of a podcast over one topic. So this is going to be an hour-long episode, so if you have no patience for that and you want to still listen to the whole thing, on a lot of the streaming apps, you can just hit like playback speed as 1.5 or even two times speed and I do that with a lot of podcasts so that is an option for you if this is a little bit too long for your liking or if you've got a long drive ahead just listen to the whole thing it almost be totally up to you but anyway let's get into you guys's questions When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, guys, I am just going to jump straight into the questions, but I do want to say first, just a reminder, I've read through some of these and a lot are like little advice questions, and I just want to say that I am 110% not a professional. I will do my best to answer them to the best of my ability, but I know I'm going to listen back to this and be like, man, I should have said this, I should have said this, but if you are interested in professional help, I highly recommend checking out The Willing Equine. Um, This is not sponsored, but she is a professional trainer and it's definitely worth your money to contact her and not just take my word for what it is. Take it with a grain of salt. Remember that I've only been doing this since last August. And uh, yeah, so aside from that little preface, I'm going to do my best to answer these questions. Um, I will be taking ad breaks since this is going to be a longer one, uh, but just so you're aware of that. Um, Anyway first question I see on here is how to work with a yearling that doesn't like treats and doesn't respond to pats. Um, I would say that's so tricky because we have two yearlings here that I've been working with and they aren't super fond of alfalfa pellets. Um, I have yet to try carrots or a different uh, tasting treat or value treat, but I would recommend doing that first. Um, and then you can also work with scratches. Pats generally aren't super great. They're not as, um, receptive to that as, like, dogs might be. Um, but you can try scratches. Horses really like being scratched on their crests of their mane, uh, usually. Um, Zoe really likes it at the base of her chest. And even Mac, who's not, like, a super touchy-feely horse, gets his little lip wiggling. Um, but you can definitely train with positive reinforcement that way, um, And like I said, reach out to a professional and ask them for advice on those sorts of things. Because my biggest issue is that I don't have experience in all the realms (laughs) just yet. I am learning what I can, but I'm still learning about things that I'm actively participating in. Like I learn something new about targeting like every week. So (laughs) it's it's an ongoing process. Um, But yeah, that's that's the best I can do on that. What's the biggest change I've had since a couple years ago in my eventing days um, with Zoe and how I ride her? Um, So interestingly enough, tonight was actually the first night that I have been on her and like rode her um, in a very long time. Um, 
I had to get on her for a saddle fitter recently and then I sat on her for pictures but I never really actually like rode or was working on anything um, but tonight I just got on her and um, I tacked her up and she stood at liberty and I got on the mounting block and asked her to hip target she stepped over and lined up and then I put my leg over her and then took it off and clicking and treating the whole while and then just slid up on there and she stood and I clicked and treated and we hung out for a little while and I scratched her and then I walked around for a few circles and clicked when she um, gave to a little bit of rain pressure um, and you know I would just like slide my hand down a rain and open it and when she'd flex her head I would um, immediately release the pressure and then uh, click and treat her and um, I this is not answering the question at all um, but I would like to learn how to do it with as minimal pressure as possible but I do think um, just watching her and judging her body language and it wasn't super offensive to her I was also riding in a bitless like uh, I ride in an LG bitless bridle now and um, uh, she we don't have a whole lot of experience in bitless so it wasn't the same reaction as what she's been conditioned with a bit I don't think um, so, yeah, I don't know. She was really receptive to it and wasn't getting frustrated or tight in her back. She had a very forward, swingy walk. And, uh, yeah, so I was really happy with that. And I guess that's the biggest change. I haven't ridden her enough to be like, oh, our riding is night and day different. But she was always very, very tight in her back. Um, and her tail would just swish constantly. She was grouchy to be around. Um, she just never, in my opinion now looking back and watching the videos and knowing more about um like equine body language it's just not a happy horse i mean happy horses have loose backs floppy or forward ears their tail swishes nicely like you know i mean it's not swishing but it's like just kind of going along like a girl's ponytail when she's jogging um and they just look at ease their mouth is soft and their top line is bouncy and um lifted and they just look happy and Zoe to paint a picture uh had a very short neck a gaping open mouth her back was tight her hind end was tight and her gates were stabby and um her tail was just a propeller you can go back and watch all of my eventing videos yes there are wonderful moments in there but there are also a lot of moments that really outweigh the good ones um and just not even like looking straight at the footage like I've been riding this horse since she was a three-year-old and she changed drastically when I first started her she was so kind and easy to ride and then she just gradually got harder and harder and it was because I was riding her like I had ridden all my other horses and she didn't respond to that same amount of pressure very well and um, then she's just naturally a bit more of an anxious individual I guess um, I don't know I don't know, but she's just, she's a bit more high energy than the other ones were. And, um, with that comes a, a bit of a bigger reaction. So she would just get really tight and resistant and, um, you know, everybody says pull on her, or, you need to hold her to make her feel comfortable and you need to swaddle her with your legs or, and then on the flip side, they would say, you don't need to have your leg on or, um, try just like giving up your hand and just letting her be and none of it just really clicked for us like I rode under 
I mean, like, I don't want to name names, but, like, I've ridden under a lot of Olympians, a lot of different trainers, clinicians, and, like, the people that I looked up to my whole life, and the things that they would say, it just, like, they would make sense, and then I would try them, and then it just, it just would all fall apart. It just couldn't stick, and, um, I don't know, it was just not not what works for Zoe. And, um, that's, that's the biggest change to stop talking about that. <laughs> she, her demeanor has changed entirely. She nickers at me every time she sees me. She comes up walking and she just looks so happy and she's so game to work with me every time. And it's just, it's a completely different relationship from what we had before, which felt very business formal. Um, anyway, how often do I work with my horse and thoughts on alfalfa hay? Um, we feed alfalfa flakes and I think they're good for coating tummies, um, to help with ulcers and that sort of thing. Um, and, um, how often do I work with my horses? I work with Mac twice a day, um, usually. Um, it's been kind of messed up since my foot has been injured since Miss Zoe stepped on it. <laughs> um, it was totally an accident. It was totally my fault, um, which is kind of contradictory to say it was an accident and say there's a fault, but whatever. Um, anyway, uh, I work with Mac twice a day as much as I can. Um, and they're not like, you know, grueling 45 minute sessions. It's normally 15 to 20 if that. And, um, then with Zoe, I try to work with her once a day. She doesn't always get done because I also have to ride Maze, Cricket, Twinkie, Dave, and V-Stow. And then I am clicker training Juno, uh, Flit, and Ruler, as well as Mac. So... I've got quite a list of ponies to work with, um, but I try to work with her as much as I can. She's definitely my favorite to work with, because um, she's so game all the time, but I sometimes have to do work first. Um, what treat does Zoe like best? Carrots. That is for sure. What do I want, want oh my god, <laughs> what do I want my career to be in a few years? So I haven't like really talked about it much on the interwebs, but I am thinking about, actually I'm not thinking about, I'm going to apply to the University of North Texas um, this summer uh, for fall 2020 and because I'm getting my bachelor's degree in three years instead of four. So I'll be graduating in 2019 or 2020 spring. And um, yeah, so I'll have my bachelor's by then and hopefully be able to move to Denton, Texas and go to University of North Texas and work there on their behavioral analysis program and learn more about contingencies with animals and um, that sort of thing. And basically just work in positive reinforcement and learning about operant conditioning and doing experiments and stuff like that. And um, I think it'll be really, really cool and really help me um, get into more conferences and be in that world more and learn more about how to start a business with it and that sort of thing. Um, because ideally I would like to be a behavior consultant for horses, um, but I might find myself in the dog world or the cat world, or I would love to work with kitty cats. Oh my God, I love cats. Um, but I might find myself doing something like that because I am ignorant to how good the market is for people that want to use positive reinforcement with their horses. Um, judging by my DMs on Instagram, there's quite a market for it, but, um, there's a difference in people who are interested in it and want to give it a try and people who will actually pay for the information. Um, paywalls, I know how rough they are because I also don't like to pay for things, but, um, I definitely invested my money in a great trainer. Shout out to you, Adele. <laughs> so, um, anyway, I would love to be a behavior consultant. 
Um, am I nervous for the future with Mac? Like, his new home, do I feel like I need to be rushing him? Um, yeah, I definitely am, because I would love to keep him. I He is such a special horse, and I would love to work with him forever, but sadly, the funds are not in the cards, and, um, I mean, my parents are still thankfully supporting me and allowing me to have Zoe, and because between YouTube and this job, I do not make enough money to support myself and a horse, um, so I've got to get independent before I can start adding horses, and a lot of people have suggested that I start a GoFundMe for Mac, and I'm like, well, the issue is not buying Mac, I'm sure, um, that that could be arranged, but the thing is, um, being able to keep up with him and pay for board and stuff, um, but as far as a new home goes, really, the, all I could ever ask for is that somebody treat him well and respect the, what he needs to work on and not push him, uh, past his limit, because he is, he's just wasn't treated well, and he needs time to grow and to learn and learn how to be around people and learn that they're not going to hurt them, hopefully. And, um, yeah, and I think the biggest deal with him right now is he needs somebody who's not going to ride him in a bit. Because I have tried, I have done everything with that horse. I taught him how to self-bridle, taught him how to self-hackamore. And he puts his nose in the hackamore and he wears that thing all around his stall, all around his paddock. He does not care. I obviously don't leave it on him, but um, he doesn't mind it at all. I put a brow band on it, didn't bother him at all. Um, and then I put a bit on and, um, he just starts shaking his head vigorously and like sticking his tongue out and he just looks super uncomfortable. And I even tried taking the brow band off cause I was like, maybe it's bothering his ears. Doesn't change a thing. He just doesn't like it. And, um, if you want more info on that, you can listen to the, um, self bridling and tongue tying issue. I mean, <laughs> issue, this isn't a magazine, um, episode because I talk about that extensively. Um, but Honestly, I would love for somebody to be able to ride him in a hackamore. And as far as feeling like I need to rush him, yes, there is definitely a level there. And I'm doing my best not to let my own fear take over. And because, I mean, RRP is a huge deal. And I'm going to be in front of a ton of people. And I looked at the hashtag thoroughbred makeover on Instagram. And almost all of the accounts that I clicked on are following me. And I'm like, great, <laughs> there's going to be a ton of people who know who I am and are like, hmm, let's see how this positive reinforcement thing's working out for her. Um, so th there's definitely quite a bit of pressure there. Um, so I am definitely feeling that, but at the same time, I think I'm doing a pretty good job of keeping Mac as the priority and what he needs and where he's at. So, uh, <coughs> I just choked. Um, Anyway, I'm not sure if I answered that fully, but how does it feel getting into positive reinforcement and giving away control over your horse? Is it scary? That's such a good question. Um, yeah, when I mean, when I first did it, I didn't really have anything to lose because I was like, I'm just going to do this while Zoe's off on colic surgery. Um, but then as I got more and more into it, I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. And then... Um, you know, it's just, it's so different. It's such a completely different way of thinking than we're traditionally taught. Because, I mean, we're taught you need to assert your dominance over the horse. You need to be the leader. The horses don't understand how to exist without a leader. You know, you need to be the one who tells them what to do and where to go. They don't know how to use their bodies. You have to teach them. And, you know, that that's what we're taught. We're taught that there are, like, these helpless little things that need a brain to direct them and we are supposed to be that brain but 
it's it's completely not the case in my experience with Zoe I mean I can go out there and she thinks for herself and I let her think and I let her work through and tell me what is going on and when I used to hear people talk about positive reinforcement and say like they listen to the horse and they ask the horse that literally didn't make any sense to me I was like how can you ask the horse please tell me what you're looking for like what their facial expressions their body language what and you I mean, honestly, reading Language Signs and Calming Signals by Raquel Dreisma is a really good book and a good place to start on listening to your horse. Um, but, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's so different because it's very clear when I'm frustrating her or if she doesn't understand or she's done with the, se- the session. And Mac is even more obvious about it because he just will stop <laughs> doing anything I ask. He's like, nope, done. Um, but it's, it's, it's a lot different, but it's not scary. Um, I, but I empathize with why it would be, especially if you're not in a situation like me where you're kind of like just able to do whatever with your horse. Like if you're at a competition barn, everyone's staring at you, everyone's judging you. Like I definitely understand that can be scary. Um, but I mean, you can start in small steps. You don't have to throw everything away right at, like right off the bat. I mean, you can you know, take small steps working towards, you know, just incorporating more positive reinforcement in your work with your horse. And, um, uh, I mean, I hate to say don't give up control completely, but I mean, you can make it clear to the horse when they are in control of the situation. Like, I mean, working with Zoe at Liberty and her paddock, she can do whatever she would like. Um, but I dictate when she gets a reward and she is constantly trying to figure out what it is that I want and we work together and it's so wild and I could talk about this forever but it's so wild how much our communication has improved um because like I can ask her to back up without touching her and it wasn't taught through pressure and release I can ask her to target her hip to my hand when I'm standing at the mounting block which came in very handy tonight um you know I just hold my hand out and I say can you step over here and she's like sure that makes sense. And I don't have to like pull on her or adjust her or get down and move the mounting block. I can just ask her if she would move over and she does. And, but I don't have to touch her. And it's just, it's such a different way of doing it instead of like, you know, reaching over, tapping her hip with a whip on the opposite side. So she steps towards me or pulling on her reins or realigning her. And, um, I just, it's so much clearer to her. And, um, And there have just been so many little instances with both of them. Like, tonight I was working with Mac, and he had horse flies, and he was just kicking, and he's swishing his tail, like, insanely. And I walked towards his hind end, and I was like, please don't kick me, please don't kick me. Um, And I looked, and he had a horse fly on his manhood, and I was like, oh my god. And it, like, would not come off. He was smacking the hell out of it with his tail and it would not come off and I was like I'm gonna have to reach in there and get this off otherwise he's just going to run away but then when I reached up in there it was like he knew what I was doing and he stopped moving completely he stopped his tail he stopped his legs he didn't kick and um it's just a little bit of different communication and with Zoe (laughs) the other day it was really funny and you guys are probably like you're insane this is not a big deal all horses do that but I beg to differ um but Zoe was grazing and she pulled up roots um, and she had like a big dirt clump on the end of it and um, she pulled it up and the second she pulled it up she just looked at me and waited until I grabbed the end of it and then she just grazed off of it until she got what she wanted and it's just like we can have a whole conversation without 
talking and you know I can ask them to relax or ask them to bend or to step over and I don't have to touch them and it's it's so nice because then it's more it's more voluntary in my opinion and that really is incredible to me so the next question I've got here is what would be slash is there a situation where you would consider using negative reinforcement or even positive punishment and why slash in what form So the only time at this point in my horse training philosophy would I use positive punishment uh, would be if I'm in a very dangerous situation. Um, Like if I were in a stall with a horse that I wasn't familiar with, um, you know, I and they were to come on top of me or lunge at me or whatever, I would do what I needed to do to protect myself, but nothing more. Um, But the way that I work with horses now is to ideally set them up to where I don't ever need to do that. Um, like today I was working with, um, my boss's horse Flit and he, um, he's very grabby with treats and I trained him over protected contact. Um, my cue for putting the head in the center of the body instead of mugging. And I worked in protected contact. And then when I went in the stall, it fell apart a little bit more than I would have liked. I could have um, worked on it longer outside the stall, um, but I didn't feel that he was going to start biting me or that sort of thing, um, which is totally a judgment call, and could I could definitely be wrong about that. I probably should have been more thorough, but I went in the stall with him and just sort of waited until he moved his head away and then would click and treat. And so, I mean... That example is to demonstrate instead of starting in the stall where the horse is excited and all over you and wants the treats and has no idea, he has nothing in his repertoire, um, his behavioral repertoire to say, oh, maybe I should try this, you know, to like um, offer something else that he knows earns him a reward, which is why we train that first. So that's what they offer first instead of like Spanish walk or um, rearing. <laughs> so um, anyway, uh that the only situation that I would ever use positive punishment at this point is if I was in a dangerous situation. But the caveat to that is in training, I set myself up to where that is hopefully not a necessity. Um, as far as using negative reinforcement, I am not totally opposed to it. Um, I can definitely be a big person and admit when I first got into this, I threw the baby out with the bathwater and said, negative reinforcement is bad. Um, and, but it was just because I was in, um, a transitional stage and I was trying to find where I really fell on it. And, um, you know, I, I definitely think that using, uh, something like the humane hierarchy, um, if you're not familiar with that, you can literally just Google it and you'll get a picture. Um, but it's to use, um, what the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants or something, the IAABC, I think, um, what they call the Lima approach, the, um, I think it's least intrusive, minimally aversive approach. Um, so you start with the least intrusive and minimally aversive approach, which would be positive reinforcement. So that's where I start. And I don't want to say, oh, I'll just teach this with negative reinforcement. I see if I can teach it with positive first and you can, um, where I'm at with like, when I got on Zoe tonight, um, which arguably I could have waited and till I know how to ride (laughs) with positive reinforcement without using, um, pressure. But, um, 
part of me says if she's okay with it and she's not reacting in a stressful way, um, then it maybe doesn't need to change. Um, I'm always open to improvement and making it um, pressure-free to where it's more a choice for her. I hope to eventually switch to a cordio or neck rope um, and work on riding her bridalis and that sort of thing. Um, but I definitely, I, I'm not hating on negative reinforcement. I don't think that it is the worst thing in the world. I think it can be, and I think that it is really frequently misused. Um, but I, I don't, I think it can be used well. Um, and I've seen it used well many times. And, um, I think that if I do it in the way that I want, then I can also do it well. <laughs> this, is, this is so touchy. Um, I hate walking on eggshells. It's so frustrating. Um, but I don't want to misspeak and, like, offend. Um, but I don't think that negative reinforcement is bad. And I definitely used it on Zoe tonight. Um, and even, um, you know, in leading the horses to and from the paddock, there is a degree of negative reinforcement there. But it's not upsetting the horses and they're not feeling like they don't have a choice or that they're like trapped or that I'm not listening to them, which I can hear in the audience, <laughs> the imaginary audience, um, the, oh, you're giving horses too much credit. They're, they're not that smart. You're such a pansy, just worried about all the emotions. And I mean, I, why shouldn't we, we worry about dogs, emotions, cats, emotions. We should hope other people worry about ours. And while yes, we are certainly more complex beings than horses, um, they still have emotions, and um, I've been researching more um, through um, Adele, who is my trainer, who's the willing equine, um, and looking at, I think it's Yak Penskep, Pen, Pen, butchered that, but he is like a, an amazing neuroscientist that like revolutionized thoughts about um, animals and emotions and he found seven core emotions and those are just like the very basic ones and um i really think that's worth looking into there's a ted talk on it uh, fair horsemanship has a video all about it i think connection training has a video up about it on youtube all of those are on youtube but they're really worth the watch because animals definitely have emotions and i think that they should absolutely be taken into account especially with a flight animal like horses um anyway moving on <laughs> um do you feel that your age affects how people see slash judge your training style? For sure. <laughs> Absolutely. People are... Well, and I mean, when it comes to positive reinforcement, I have only been doing it a year. Granted, I put my heart and soul and life and blood and sweat and tears into learning and practicing it. So um, hopefully that conveys more. But I feel like I'm more positive reinforcement trainer than I ever was negative reinforcement trainer because there were so many horses. I was like, I don't know how to fix this. <laughs> and the horse just kind of fixed the issue itself over time. Um but now I feel like I actually know how to systematically approach a situation and fix something, uh, if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah. But, I don't know. Definitely get judged for it. Um, how many horses have I had and what was my first horse? I have had four horses. Bingo, Dragonfly, Bo, and Zoe. And my first horse was Bingo. He was a 20-year-old quarter horse. Um... Is my boss lenient about letting me do positive reinforcement with horses or do you do it uh, with all or some? Um, she is on the sales horses. Those are pretty much strictly negative reinforcement. I mean, I'm allowed to give them treats and stuff, but she wants them 
sold as, you know, show horses. And she's open to it. It's just sort of, I don't know, that's where we're at. Her personal horses, um, which are, <laughs> currently she has three personal horses. Um, but Juno is our Amish abuse case. And I've been working target training and stuff with her. So she gets used to another person, who is me. And um, we can work through desensitizing her to stuff um, with positive experiences instead of here, horse, deal with it and develop learned helplessness. And then she wants me to work on her horse that she just got named Flit um, on self bridling because he moves his head a whole lot with bridling and it's very difficult. I have tried to bridle him. Um, so I'm going to teach him how, um, but first I had to teach him how to target and how to, um, uh, behave around treats. So, um, and if you need a tutorial video on that, I have a podcast about it. I have a video and a blog post. Check out jedicwithyuri.com for all of the links to all of those. Um, and then Ruler is, he just came off the track. He's Zoe's half brother. And he's just kind of, he's still kind of weirded out about what's going on. He's like, he's been in race training for four years and is kind of like blowing his mind to be here. So um, I'm just working with him here and there a little bit and just like reacclimating him to what's going on around him and that sort of thing. Um, and then, will I ever buy my own small horse property? I would love to now that I have lived with my horse and I'm currently living with my horse. I am going to die when I move to Denton and have to live in an apartment and can't live with Zoe. <laughs> um, how is Mila so good around all the horses? Sometimes she's good and sometimes I'll be walking around and see her barking at one. <laughs> the horses pretty much teach her not to do that. Um, luckily, she's kind of on the fearful side. She's not aggressive. Um, so when the horses pin their ears and kind of jog at her, she runs the opposite direction. Um, where did I get my target for positive reinforcement? I got it from KarenPryorAcademy.com. You can go to my website, JetEquitheory.com, and click on the resources tab. Um, it'll be under positive reinforcement, um, and then click on resources, and, um, I have everything that I use in training linked. Uh, brr, do we have any barn cats? We have three, Jet, Digi, and, uh, Rocco. Um, ba -ba 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 -da -da -da. um, what made me want to start training or clicker training and positive reinforcement when Zoe was, um, on stall rest after a colic surgery, I still wanted to do something with her. And with my last horse, um, when he was on stall rest, uh, for like eight months, I tried what I thought was called Liberty work. Um, and I used treats, but I didn't really understand it. And I certainly didn't know there was science behind it. I just thought, you lured horses into bowing and then gave them a treat and it was not great. And then I thought that I could just will it to happen and I thought I could will a bond and then just get on him tackless and ride him like that and that didn't work either. Um, so I sort of gave up on that dream and then when um, Zoe had her colic surgery and she was in stall rest, I was like, now's the time to learn how to do this. I can teach her some cute tricks and I will do it right this time. So I started looking into it and then I stumbled upon Adele's page. I started reading and reading and reading and reading and reading and reading and reading. And then I was like, oh my God, wow, there's so much here. And then I just like got sucked in. And now I'm here. <laughs> um, would I do the retired racehorse project next year or focus on getting positive reinforcement to the world in other ways? That's a good question. Um, I'm not going to do RRP next year, mostly because I will likely be in Denton. Um, in the fall, 
So um, I'm mostly just going to focus on Zoe and keep learning and doing what I can and, um, you know, reading more and um, it'll be my master's program, like, I mean, the central idea of it. So um, I'll be constantly learning more about it. So um, I'll definitely be sharing that in the podcast, YouTube and um, Instagram. But yeah, explain Retired Racehorse Project, what it is and what you do and your goals with it. So RRP or Retired Racehorse Project, the Thoroughbred Makeover is um, sort of like Mustang challenges, but for Thoroughbreds, it just promotes the breed, gets people thinking and talking about them and seeing them as more uh, than racehorses. It's also a good incentive for people to go get racehorses off the track and flip them and give them a second career and then they can sell them. So it just helps save racehorses essentially. And um, uh, I mean, essentially the goal with it is to promote the breed and make people more aware of them, that they're very versatile. They can do just about anything and they're such cool horses. I mean, thoroughbreds are my favorite breed, hands down. Um, So, I mean... What you do, I mean, there are, there's barrel racing, uh, reining, then there's dressage, jumpers, hunters, eventing, freestyle, like there are so many disciplines that you can go into and you can register as a junior, an amateur, um, or a professional, I think. I think those are the levels, I could be wrong. Um, but I mean, there's just a lot and then you have like set criteria you have to meet, um, and... Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a really cool program. Um, do I use positive reinforcement with my dog or any other animals other than horses? Yes, actually, when I was like 12, I trained my cat how to sit, high five, and stand up um, with uh, treat training. I didn't use clicker, um, but I had a little cat book, and I was like, I'm going to teach puddles some tricks. So I taught him how to do those things, and I had no idea what it was, and I never thought about applying it to horses. Um but I, I definitely do with Myla here and there. She's just, she's just good. Like when I call her, she comes, uh, when I tell her to sit, she sits and she just hangs out. So, I mean, it's really not a huge deal. Um, I definitely, there are obviously things that I could work on with her. I'm just tied on time and sadly she has not been the priority. Um, have I attempted to ride Zazu? I just answered that. <laughs> um, so a lot of these questions are very similar to one another about how Zoe's changed from negative to positive reinforcement. Um, does my boss watch my YouTube slash podcast? How does she feel about the social media? I know she watches my YouTube here and there. She doesn't listen to the podcast. Um, and how does she feel about the social media? I mean, she likes it. She thinks it's great. I'm getting the word out about her horses and not that it's done anything. Nobody's buying because we live in freaking middle of nowhere, Arkansas. Um, so, cause these horses that we have are super nice and I'm like, I would have snatched them up if I could. I definitely want to snatch Mechadoodle up. Um, but yeah, I mean, she doesn't, she doesn't mind it. She thinks it's fun. Um, I also talk to her for like three hours every night <laughs> cause I'm, have no friends. Um, how to slash when to introduce marker signals slash cues. Um, so I would highly recommend watching my most recent video on, um, clicker training or how to start clicker training and I have a blog post up about what a marker signal is um I don't have one up about cues but cues are slightly different and they're a little more complicated and I haven't quite gotten to the point where I'm like I feel comfortable giving a lecture or writing a post about this um but I bet you Adele has one on the willingequine.com 
And, um, I mean, you can start introducing them immediately. Like, it doesn't matter. I mean, the horse can be a little baby and you can use scratches or they could be 19 years old and you can still teach them. It doesn't matter. Um, could I tell you more about Mac's backstory? Um, I mean, Mac, we don't really know a whole lot. Um, we know he came from Florida. Um, he raced, uh, I don't actually remember how many times he raced. He only raced, he raced for like two years, I think. Um, and he hadn't been out of the stall in probably two years. My boss saw him a year ago, um, and she saw him at the track and she was like, that is the most gorgeous horse I've ever seen. I want him. And so the next year he was in a place where she had her claiming license. So she claimed him in the race and she got him and her husband was like, you have too many horses. <laughs> you need to like at least get what you paid for him back. So she ran him one last time and, um, he won. And then, um, since he won, he won his money back and he got to come home and, um, he was going to come home anyway, but, um, just had to do that, you know, gotta appease the men with us crazy horse women. Um, but yeah, so what we've learned about him is that he was most likely ear twitched, um, because he's very, very ear shy. Um, he's gotten so much better about it, but it's still like, don't touch my ears. Um, and he's a little jumpy. Like if you move too quick around him, he's still a little bit like, wow, ah. sometimes I will do the weirdest stuff and he doesn't react. And then the stuff that I feel like he shouldn't react to, he does. And it's, I, <laughs> he keeps me on my toes. That's for sure. And, um, we know he was tongue tied cause his tongue is like, it's awful. It's, he's got a huge bump in it, scar tissue. It, it looks terrible. Um, but I mean, that's really all we know. Um, is it possible for me to clicker train a pony who is scared of loud noises like the clicker? Um, yes. Um, you can put the clicker in a bag or behind your back so it's, um, a bit duller or you can put like a sock over your hand or something, um, to make the sound less abrasive. Um, and then usually horses acclimate to it and they get comfortable with it, especially since it predicts good things. It starts to become a secondary reinforcer, but if it's, if it's still too scary with it more muted, um, you can try a mouth sound or, um, or you can even touch them as a marker signal, like a tap. Um, or, I mean, really you can make any distinct noise that you have no trouble replicating every time. Um, some people like with, um, dogs that are deaf, they'll either use a tactile, like a touch cue or a flashlight. Um, so, I mean, there are endless things that can be marker signals. It just has to be consistent. Um, but you can try a quieter sound. That's why I really like my sk sound because it doesn't really scare the horses. Um, Mac was one that I was like, oh God. And when I first started using a clicker, he was afraid of it and ruler is too. So I use the, my mouth sound. Um, but with Mac, I definitely started with a clicker and he just got used to it. Um, but like I said, you can try muting it, like putting it in your pocket or behind you so that it's a little bit quieter. Um, what do I do to get to where, I, or what did I do to get to where I am today? It's my dream to do what you're doing. Oh, that's nice. Um, I mean, I really, I fell into this on accident because... There were a whole lot of things that had to go right for this to happen. And, um, my boss, um, my boss, Sunny rode under the same trainer as me. And, um, she just asked me one day cause I was working at this job that I wasn't getting paid at and I wasn't happy at it cause I was like, I'm wasting my time. And she was like, um, 
she was like, you just need to come work for me. And I was like, Sunny, you live very far away. And she was like, well, just move up here and go to the college up here and you can work with me. You can live at my house or whatever. And I was like, mm. and then that's when the tiny house thing got brought up. And um, now I'm living in a tiny house on a horse farm and I switched colleges to come do this. And um, it's been awesome. It's really fun. And I've learned so, 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 so much. It is overwhelming at times um, and frustrating because, you know, when it rains for a week and I can't ride, I don't make any money. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's definitely a nice job. You just, I, I, I don't really know how to give any advice for that. I mean, it's basically networking for me. Would I ever like to train a Mustang? Yes, they are so cute. Uh, we have two out here, I think. Yeah, two. Arthur and Leo. And they're both Mustangs and they're super cute, but I don't really work with them a whole lot. Any advice to a horse that can be lethargic with a halter, but energetic without? I mean, I would make the halter a really, really good thing that the horse really likes to have on. And you can even do it without the lead rope, like start in small successions and um, work up to being able to have a lead rope on. Um, but generally the reason that um, I think a horse would be um, a little less energetic with a halter on would be um, because it's been used against him before. One of the things that I took away from the Alexander Curling Clinic was that um, to start out with, a lead rope is not a quote-unquote, as she said, clicker-compatible tool. Um, because lead ropes are used to push and pull the horse and to shank the horse or to wiggle up in their face and make them back up. And it's not a good thing. It doesn't bring or predict good things. It's just something that we use to pull them around and they can't get away from us or scare them to make them back up or punish them for walking in front of us. I mean, there, there are various reasons why a horse would be apprehensive to a lead rope and a halter could have the same prediction. And, um, but if, I think if you make the halter a really good thing and a really fun thing to have on, then you might get a little more energy. That's, that's what I would try. Um, I hope you all are enjoying my intermission sounds. Um, what do I like about working at Liberty in a Pasture with other muggy non-horses inhabiting? Oh, what do I do? Oh, totally read that. What do I do about working at Liberty with other non-positive horses inhabiting um i with zoe rosie is not um one to get all up in our space um she's got some issues <laughs> it's a bless her heart um so she doesn't really bother us too much um and zoe will run her off if she gets too close which is not fun it's dangerous um but so i try to work away from her um and then with mac twinkie does not mess with mac so um Mac has been more recently allowing him to hang out with us, <laughs> um, but he doesn't uh, doesn't really doesn't really bother us too much. Um, so, what I would suggest, what I had to do when Zoe and Mac were in the same paddock, is I had to separate them and I had to put Zoe in the aisle way, and then Mac in the field, and then I would work with them individually. Or you can take the horse in the arena, or in a round pen, or um, you can work with them in their stall, um, and if if you can't do that, I would say you can just bring them out and try starting with a lead rope. Um, there are endless things you can do. You can make your own like little paddock area with you know T posts and uh, like electric wire 
not electric wire. I don't know what that's called. You know that tape that's like, it's not tape, but like the wire for the fencing. I don't, you know, whatever. You can use that um, to make your own little paddock. Are there any elements of positive reinforcement that I find frustrating? Not really. I mean, I, for, I'm just like a puzzle solver and a half. Like when I, um, when I run into something where the horse is like, I'm not getting this and I'm, I can't understand how to ask the question any better. It makes me take a step back and go, oh, I see how that's confusing to them. Let me try this. And then I readjust myself. I re-ask the question and then the horse gets it. And it's, it's the most satisfying, rewarding thing in the world. I love it. And I like, I don't know. It's just like, there's a moment of frustration where I'm like, God, I don't know what to do. But then it's like the overwhelming relief of, ah, yes, I figured it out. And it's, it's so gratifying. Um, I mean, I guess the biggest element is the public reception of it. Um, a lot of people that were once very close to me, no longer, um, I haven't heard very nice things <laughs> about, um, me switching to positive reinforcement because, now apparently I'm a huge tree hugger that's just this idealist rainbows and butterflies individual and that could not be farther from the truth. I am a realist and I like science and um, that is what I am doing. I am trying to find what is best for my horse and I am looking to science for the answer. So I think that that, that is the most frustrating thing to me. Um, do I plan on only letting Matt go to a home that will continue positive reinforcement with him? If I did have that requirement, assuming that Sonny would go along with that, um, we probably would not find him a home. Um, because I just, I don't know, maybe I'm lacking faith, but I, there just aren't, especially not around here, nobody does it. Um, not in my area. Um, in other parts of Arkansas, like in Fayetteville, Cindy Martin does. Um, but, uh, just, I, I just, I don't think that that would work I don't think that having that stipulation would go over well. And he's not my horse, so it's ultimately not my decision. Um, Deer farriers and vets use positive reinforcement when working with them? No, absolutely not. And I have absolutely got to get better about being like, no, this is how this horse is trained and being my horse's advocate. Shout out to the Willing Equine podcast for that one. Um, Because it's... uh, I definitely need to be more adamant about that and be like, look, treats can be used in a way that is not going to irritate you. <laughs> um, because that farriers are the worst about treats. They're like, no, the horses move too much. So, um, my favorite thing that I've taught Mac and Zoe through positive reinforcement right now, my favorite thing that I've taught Zoe is to hip target. Cause man, that is handy. <laughs> Even though it got me stepped on. Uh, but that was with her front end, oddly enough, but I miscued her and it was the whole thing. But, um, yeah, no, it's, that's the most handy thing I've ever, like, conceptualized in my life. Um, but with Max, self-bridling was probably the biggest thing for him because it's really helped with his ear issues. And I thought the way that I helped him overcome the biting issue was clever. Um, so, I mean, there's just, like, little things like that. I'm just like, ah, you guys are so smart and I love you. So thank you for allowing me to learn from you. Would I ever sell Zoe? At this point, absolutely not. <laughs> like, I, she is, she is my child. No, not allowed. I am the mother of Zoe, not the mother of dragons. Sorry, I just finished Game of Thrones and I'm like really upset about it. <laughs> um. Anyway, can you make your own clicker rather than buying one? 
I mean, if I, I don't know, I don't have any skill in that, but also I think it's important to note that clickers are like 99 cents at a pet store. So I think you would probably spend more on materials than just actually going and paying a dollar for a clicker. Um, what made me want to start riding horses and why did I pick the discipline I did? Um, I started riding because I, I just loved horses as long as I can remember. I was drawing them in preschool. Nobody in my family did horses. That was just my thing. I was always drawn to it. I started riding in second grade and, um, that was just my thing. That's what I loved. And, um, I started at a barn that did natural horsemanship and, uh, I didn't know anything. So I was like, cool. I just want to ride bareback <laughs> and on my little 20 year old quarter horse. And then that trainer moved like four hours away from us. So I had to find a new trainer. And then that's when I started with my eventing coach and she was like, you got to sell this horse and get a different one. And I was like, oh my God, but I love him. And she was like, no, you need one that can jump. And I was like, okay. So we did that because I was a little child who didn't know anything. And, um, then I started eventing and that's how I got into it. And I was terrified of it at first. I hated it. I purposefully eliminated myself once from cross country because I was so scared. And, um, then I grew up and was like, nope, I'm going to do it. <laughs> so I then did it. Um, but now times have changed. Um, do I enjoy working with OTTBs more than any other breeds and why? Um, the reasons I listed when I was talking about RRP, pretty much. I mean, I just, I am obsessed with them. They're incredible. Um, we're going to do lightning round now. How do you teach smile? I have a video about that. Look it up on my YouTube channel called How to Teach Your Horse to Smile. How to keep your horse interested in what you're doing. Um, if your horse is getting bored, then I would recommend setting down before you work with your horse and writing out a training plan and how you're going to break down each little step to get to the behavior you want. Like, um, for bridling, there are so many ways that you can break that down for the horse to make it easy. Sometimes the reason that horses get disinterested is, um, usually frustration, uh, or just confusion. Like if they don't understand what they're, what you're asking and they decide it's too hard, then they'll leave. So I don't blame them, but figure out, um, I would just like consider more reasons why your horse is disinterested. Like, are you confusing them? Is what you're doing frustrating? Do they not enjoy what you're doing? Um, how do you afford to use treats when you use them a lot? I want to start, but the price. Um, you can buy a big bag of alfalfa pellets for not that much, and um, they last a really, really long time, um, and they're, like, super good for them. What's the most important advice I can give a beginner doing Liberty? Start with protected contact. Do not just go in the field and run around with your horse at Liberty. You will increase your chances of getting hurt drastically. Do not do that. <laughs> Don't do it. I have a video up on how to start and after you teach your horse manners, then you can start working in the same space with them, but you need to make sure that your horse is understands how that you would like them to act around treats and that is to not be all over you because that can get dangerous for you. Even if they're not trying to hurt you, which I don't think that horses ever are like that. Um, unless they're in a scary, dangerous situation, whatever. Don't need to caveat everything. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely teach them how to not mug you first. Um, how can positive reinforcement be used in ridden work? Um, the same way it is on the ground, but I would contact a professional for that because I have yet to do it, um, and cement in how I would, um, how I train it. So I'm not going to give advice on it, but there are books out there on it. Um, have I done any clicker training with my doggy? Yes. How would I deal with a horse that won't 
that doesn't want to do much for treats no matter what I offer, um, get their teeth checked or make sure they don't have ulcers because that was a big issue with MAC too. Definitely palpate for ulcers or have your vet out to scope if you're not comfortable palpating, but there's a video on how to do that online. And um, then treat them for ulcers because likely those are the issues. Um, how heavily, or also you can try scratches. Um, how heavily do I incorporate positive reinforcement with client horses? Um, there have been some issues that I have fixed with positive reinforcement, but not actively training with it. Um, but then there's Flit and Juno and Ruler, who I am working, and Mac, who I am working strictly with positive reinforcement. Um, da, 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 da. Do I have an opinion on treeless saddles? I don't know. I read an article on, like, Chalize, not sure if I'm saying that right, that was like, treeless saddles don't have the shock absorbency, blah, 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 and, but at the same time, they don't sell treeless saddles, so that could be a very biased opinion. I don't know, and I don't know enough about saddle fit and the horse's back anatomy to answer that well. Um, do, 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 do I like donuts? Yes, I would love a chocolate donut right now, to be quite honest with you. Opinions on barefoot. Um, I love it. Since we switched Zoe, I don't have to, like, stop what I'm doing and hold off for a week until I can get the farrier out and her feet have never looked better and she's just happy and comfortable and we're not having to deal with like pulled nails or the danger of nails slipping sideways or it tearing her feet up. It's, it's amazing. I love it. Um, how did I balance, um, school and horses and work? Um, did because I'm out of school. Um, I just, a lot. There's also a podcast on that, so just go listen to that episode, because I'm pretty sure that was a long one. Um, what do I like about studying psychology? I don't know. I'm just addicted to it, honestly. I've always been very interested in how the brain works, and how people think, and why they do what they do, and finding out the reason behind things, and um, I'm just a very analytical type A person by nature, so that's just right up my alley. <laughs> um, do I have any ongoing struggles with the horses I'm working with in general? Um, not really anything I can think of in particular. The biggest issue we have is them pulling shoes. And if they were barefoot, that would not be a problem. <laughs> um, but some of them aren't uh, sound barefoot. And we don't really have a farrier who can like transition horses who are a little bit problematic in that way. How do I improve my riding? Po or in parentheses, taking lessons while also using positive reinforcement since there aren't any positive reinforcement trainers where I live. Um, a lot of them teach online. Like, there are a lot of positive reinforcement trainers who offer video lessons and phone consultations and stuff like that. So, um, you can definitely do that for the same price, if not cheaper, than uh, traditional trainers. Um, but you can also just stick to riding regularly and ride traditionally, and then when you get your own horse, um, then you can do with it what you please. Um, look at more questions. Um, what is my favorite thing about my job with Sunny? It's just, it's so nice being out here by myself and I can go play with the horses. I don't have to drive anywhere unless I need food. You know, it's, I don't know. I just, I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Oh my God. I am not even close to like done with all these questions. I feel so bad. I thought I was going to be able to answer them all in an hour, but no. And that's why we don't do them in YouTube videos anymore. Um, how to help a spooky horse using positive reinforcement. Targeting is really good and giving the horse confidence and um, positive reinforcement does. It gives them confidence and it allows them to, 
use their brains and think for themselves and it's uh, not being restricted is also a big part of it um, but just helping like click reward for each step towards something scary um, and that sort of thing my favorite breed of horse is thoroughbred I've answered that so many times um, how do I afford a horse and slash have time my parents are incredible it also helps that I have a lot of scholarships for school too um, and have time I make time I make I gotta get up early ride the ponies then do schoolwork and that sort of thing and it's it's a lot but you know gotta do what you gotta do do I have a dog if I do what breed I have Myla currently she's a German Shepherd and honestly I'm a little scared because when I go get my master's degree I don't know what I'm going to do with her um, because my family doesn't want to take care of her and I the apartments down there don't allow quote-unquote aggressive dog breeds and most of the ones I've contacted said they don't allow it and also I have a hard time believing that it would be fair to have her um, with me because most of what I do is inside I'll be studying for school doing homework working on masters things um, so that will be inside YouTube podcasting and Instagram are all taking place inside and uh, then I'll be at school and I will likely have a job so I won't be home and then I also will be at the barn keeping up with Zoe so that doesn't leave a whole lot of time to like appropriately play with take care of and give enough attention to a dog and Mila's so young she needs attention and she loves it and I don't think she would be happy in an apartment after especially after living here so I don't know I'm probably going to have to rehome her I don't like it I don't want to talk about it it makes me very sad um so yeah I think that this is about wrapping up um, I'm reading through the last few questions to see if there's anything I feel like I missed and need to answer. Um, how old is Mac? He is four. Will I ever breed my own horse? Probably not. I don't really have any desire to breed Zoe. I've, her life has been risked enough recently. Um, how old am I? I am 20. Um, and yeah, I think that this is about it. I think I've covered pretty much everything. Um... Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and say that that is it and wrap up this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you tuned into the entire thing, I really appreciate it. Um, be sure to check me out on other social media platforms. Everything is under Jet Equitheory. Um, and I also have my website where all of the horses that are available currently are listed. Um, read through that if you're interested in looking for a new horse and are relatively close or have the means to come to Arkansas. Um, and yeah, I also have a resource page up, a glossary page, um, to help you understand any of the terms if you are not familiar with, the uh, operant conditioning terminology. <laughs> and, um, yeah, my website was designed for people like me when I first started and had no idea where to look. So definitely check that out. Um, and my YouTube and Instagram and Facebook are all nice resources to keep up with. Uh, me and the horses. So thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's episode. I hope that you have a wonderful day. And yeah, I'm trying to stretch this out to 60 minutes because I said it'd be an hour long podcast and I'm stopped too early because normally my outro takes quite a bit. But yeah, I don't I don't really know. I all of the questions started becoming some of the same. So I think it was good time to end. 
So anyway, with that, I am going to sign off. Thank you guys so much for listening and supporting the podcast. Be sure to leave a review because it helps the show. It boosts me in the algorithm. And I also love reading the reviews. It makes me so happy. So write me a nice one and I like it. Okay. So thank you guys. And I will check back within you. Within you. Okay. Trying that again. I will check back in with you guys next Tuesday. Goodbye.